You're listening to Cortez Radio, CKTZ, 89.5 FM. This program is funded by a grant from the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the Government of Canada's Local Journalism Initiative. report of what some people are calling the Squirrel Cove Bear comes from Kurt Cunningham, owner-manager of the Squirrel Cove General Store. Well, I first encountered the bear about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I was over at the restaurant and a small cub came around the corner, almost like within three or four feet. I thought it was a big bouvier. And I realized as it approached and passed that it was a little cub. And I'm thinking the mother's going to be very close, so I went in the restaurant and waited. She never showed, but the little cub just took off and up through the back of the, the lot and up into the woods. And there's been signs of him ever since. There's scat most nights or very often all over the yard, but he's never caused much problem. So has it been just about every day it's found scat? Um, I don't look every day, but yeah, usually I would find, you know, I'd say at least four days a week. And, uh, you know, he's obviously getting bigger and more accustomed to people. A neighbor, Laurel Bohart, mentioned a bear being in our area sometime after this. Months ago, Robin Ushi Chapman, Ushi Kerberling and Rob Chapman had a bear by, a small one, I'd say, by the scat. It had been eating shellfish. And I had to get Doreen Guthrie to identify the scat for me because I hadn't seen bear scat. But now, having seen piles of what's obviously chewed apple scat in my yard, I know exactly what they look like. Human-sized. Okay. Looks like someone's been eating a lot of apples. It's actually hilarious. The number of bear incidents abruptly increased about two weeks ago. The bear broke into our backyard um, via a fence, and it was a belly-shaped hole because it pressed down on the uh, wiring. It came in and rifled through the compost, and about five to ten pounds of apples off my back deck because I didn't know there was a bear. And I ate all those, left five or six scat in the yard and exited the way it had come. Sandy Hoffman emailed that the bear had been at Dan and Meg's place a couple of nights by the chickens. This must be the Dan Such, who Laurel Bohart refers to. Because I know he's chased it off at least twice. Both of these incidents were reported to the Conservation Office Service. Hoffman wrote that she lives beside Graham Blake. Consequently, her dog was very neurotic on the night of November 6th when the bear broke through Blake's fence to get at the apples left on the ground. At 9 a.m. the following morning, the bear was caught passing through on Graham's trail cam. Two days later, the bear raided Hoffman's fenced yard in the early morning hours. It ate the few remaining apples on the tree and left lots of scat. Though the apples were gone, the bear returned at 10.35 that night. It was hazed and ran. This incident was also reported to the conservation office. The bear raided another two houses that Friday. Nancy Beach emailed, 
I saw an adult bear running away from me down our path at around 4.05 p.m. on November 13th, 2020, while it was still light. Apparently we are the fifth Squirrel Cove Road neighbor to have a bear in our backyard. It looks like the 300 salmon in a day in Basil Creek aren't enough. So it's been checking out apples and chicken coops. The lady at the conservation officers says to put away all attractants, but the bears can get into any container. According to Sandy Hoffman's email, the bear was eating rotten apples at Lloyd and Nancy's and also returned to Bohart's. Sandy wrote that on the morning of Saturday, November 14th, the bear ate through garbage at Bobby and Jason's. Jason Thompson subsequently mentioned three raids on his property during the course of a week. He's a drone operator, and the first incident occurred during the night he went outside to make sure his craft was charged for the following morning. There was garbage strewn all across the yard, and he heard the bear's frantic escape into the woods. After that, Jason tried to protect his garbage by placing concrete blocks on top of the containers. That didn't work. There were more incidents the following Sunday. Though there were no remaining attractants, the bear returned to Sandy Hoffman's in the early morning hours and Bohart's again that evening. Hoffman heard a gunshot at 7.30 p.m., but does not think it had anything to do with the bear. Derek and Laurie McMumford have lived in Squirrel Cove for 20 years. They've raised chickens and grown apples throughout that time without any bear incidents. Their daughter Leslie and her husband, Stefana Predisa, live in a smaller house on the same property. Returning from Campbell River around lunchtime on Monday, November 16th, Leslie Predisa found the door to her cellar burst open. Most of the apples stored inside had been eaten. Laurel Bohart notes. They had apples stored in there and started uh, trying to tear the walls out. The bear attempted to access the apples stored inside the McMunford residence early the following morning. It tore at the siding. Derek responded by making noises, which caused the startled animal to flee. While neither Derek or Lori saw the bear, it snowed during the night, and they found a trail of bear tracks circling their house. We're the strangers here, they said, later. The bears have been in this area for thousands of years. If we don't want to attract them, we need to make our properties less accessible. Leslie Perdisa was putting up an electric fence around her chicken coop when I called. She did not have time to be interviewed, but was okay with my mentioning her electric fence. Derek and Laurie McMumford said they have a large garden, as well as chickens, and the fence will probably cost a couple of thousand dollars. So we had had that bear coming back for the last 10 days, but it didn't come back last night. We think it's because it's not finding any more food. So if there's no food that the bear can get into, it's not going to bother coming back. According to Brad Adams, a conservation officer who normally works out of the Port McNeil office. So the reports to the CO service has only been about a week and a half or two weeks of phone calls, um, probably ranging in the four or five call range. Uh, a couple from the same property where they're seeing the bear on a more regular basis. We we had got some reports about a bear, possibly two bears, that 
have been attracted to apples that have been left out and available and able to be accessed by the bear. There's been some reported pets that have been missing, which typically pets that are missing, like domestic cats and dogs and stuff like that, isn't usually related to bear behavior. That's more of like a wolf cougar behavior. So those reports haven't really been substantiated to be connected to the bears, where livestock, chickens and pigs, goats, things like that, those can be attributed to to bear activity. It doesn't seem that the bear's primary focus was with chickens. It seems to be more gravitating towards fruits. If bears find themselves frequenting Squirrel Cove and Welltown, it's going to be really difficult to manage them just based on the amount of natural fruits that are being grown domestically and the amount of livestock that is free range and there's no electric fencing in place. There's no natural or unnatural reasons for the bears to go anywhere else as soon as they find themselves a food source. So it's going to be really important that community members of Cortez start looking at what they can do to increase their husbandry practices, um, utilizing electric fencing, building some more secure structures where structures might be aged or they're starting to weaken over time. We want to make sure that there's increased focus from community members to to bring up these practices because this year has been a learning experience for those on Cortez that haven't seen a bear in the last couple of years. With seeing two, we always have the plus one rule. So if we've seen two, there could be two, there could be three, there could be four, there could be multiples. We're we're fairly close to the, the mainland coast and to Vancouver Island. It doesn't take long for a bear to make its way there. Do you know if uh, we have resident bears or whether they swim here? I would say that you could likely have both because with the habitat that's on Cortez, is it's, it's ideal for bears. Like I would expect that there would be bears there all the time. Why the, the sightings are so far and few between could speak to the amount of natural food sources that are out in the green spaces. But I would say that you do get bears that swim over there quite regularly, similar to any other of the islands, is the bears are going to go from island to island looking for food sources. And if they don't find substantial food sources or prime habitat on an island, they'll just move on to the next. I've actually seen bears myself, uh, not this year. I don't think I did last year, but I think I did the two years before that. Bears just walked through our yard once a year always about fall, and uh, didn't do anything. In both occasions, they just walked right through. And that's the bear behavior that we like to see. That's just uh, a bear being a bear when it just kind of passes through. You can always tell when a bear is being a bear because a lot of times they just continue on their, their path that they're taking. And if they see people or something that they don't recognize, they take off running fairly quickly. Uh, when you have a bear that is willing to just walk up in front of you and and stand there while you're getting in your car or you're um sorry while you're trying to go out to your chicken coop to feed like that's not desired behavior sandy wrote on facebook things i've learned about our regular visitor the squirrel cove bear had a visual of it under our apple tree from about 20 feet away i had originally guessed a young bear 150 to 200 pounds from this but Hard to guess with all that fur. This roughly translates to a height of five feet. That seemed reasonable, based on my visual. 
also suggests the weight is likely to be closer to 150 pounds. I'm going with a three-year-old male. I think it now sounds different from the one that Kurt saw last year, if he saw a little cub. This one is not that little, although still not a mature bear. I asked Kurt Cunningham, How do you know it's one bear? I don't, I'm assuming. There were reports of a bear in Whaletown earlier this year, so I asked Laurel Bohart, How do we know it's not the Squirrel Cove bear? We don't. Because the bears um, will roam wherever they their noses take them. Okay. And I can't say we call them well-town bears, the squirrel cove bears. Um, they're Cortez bears, but they may not actually live here, although Sabina is certain they do. So tell me about the whale-town bear. How do we know it's dead? Well, we have a rumor. We don't. We, because someone heard a shot and the bear was never seen again. And um, there are rumors around. You can talk to the conservation officers about this because they dealt with the situation. And they had a trap set for it. Mm-hmm. And the animal was supposed to go to um, Klaus for processing. It was supposed to be teaching, which I was supposed to help with and show them how to properly skin and flesh and salt a bear. And um, how to, you know, preserve things like paws and how to clean the skull and things like that so that they could use in the ceremony. And uh, Michelle Robinson was involved in the capture of if it was going to happen. They came over and they waited a few days. I guess Michelle babysat the trap. I'm not sure about that. And um, there was a shot at night. The bear wasn't seen again. And the assumption is that whoever shot the bear didn't clean it, didn't um, gut it, didn't process it, left it to rot. We don't know really what happened. It's um, probably speculation, but it's also uh, based on some tips, I believe. Brad Adams had more to add to that story. So we had found the bear carcass, but we couldn't determine what had happened to it based on the amount of decay that was already set in. It doesn't take long in the summer, in the sun, that uh, things start to break down. Anyway, the bear we have at Squirrel Cove is probably a yearling, which means this year's cub growing up. And it's been spotted down at Squirrel Cove store, down at Basil Creek, eating fish, possibly on the beach, which might be a second bear. We don't know. Um, What we're told by the conservation officers and, and the guys who deal with this is that you need to make sure that the bear has nothing it can smell. So if you've had apples, process them, or get them somewhere that's a locked area, the bear literally cannot get into. And if you've got, um, you know, secure your compost, if you've got fresh stuff, take it far out to the woods and dump it instead of dumping it in your compost end because that attracts bears. And um, I didn't know all this until we had bears. So now I'm educating myself, and we're educating everybody up and down the road is getting educated, kind of the hard way. Well, let's see what else did he do. He found, oh yeah, a bag of sunshine mix. Um, and apparently, according to Richard Andrews, who lives in Olmstead and knows a lot about bears, because he has livestock, he said the bear came for the minerals. Well, I have proof of the bear being here because I have a nice square of plastic with the bear's left front claws imprinted. It's the same size as my hand, which is quite small, 
So that's how I know it's a yearling and probably a female. Small feet, small paws. Destructive anyway. Is this going to be going into the next Wild Cortez exhibit? It certainly is. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about that? Um, well, the big three is what we're calling the next exhibit. And uh, Sabina has nicely taken down most of her species at risk stuff for us. So we have a space to put up um, information. And Donna Collins, our museum's new president, has made is making um, some supports for the three skins that are in there. And cougar, wolf, and bear, which all came from my taxidermy business when I was a commercial taxidermist. And they were given to me. They're all legally taken. And yes, they were shot. So the bear is a small female, about the size of most bears we'll see here, I think. And um, the wolf is a coastal wolf from the lavender fields, um, taken by Jason Bradley back in 2008, I think, when we had a lot of wolves. The cougar um, came from Vancouver Island, and it was shot by a cougar hunter who just simply wanted the meat and gave me the pelt. Hmm. And this is, we're talking like 1990s. Probably. Um, Jason's wolf, two wolves were 2008. He took two here. One was a large alpha male, and which he had made into a rug, which I did. And he lives now in Saskatchewan, so the rug went with him. He says the eyes follow them around the room. So that's good. <laughs> They're supposed to. So when can people look at this? People can look at it when it's ready to be looked at. <laughs> um, we're not done yet. Like, we're just starting this. However, while Cortez is open, the pelts are there. So people can come and look at them and talk about their experiences. We're we'll collecting um, people's wildlife, you know, big three experiences. Did you ha have any advice for people on Cortez that you wanted to give us? Yes. So earlier the year, in the year when I was active on uh Cortez over in, in Willtown is, you know, I worked closely with some of the community members. To, I know that understand that there's a primer that's, that's in place to kind of help co live and coincide with bears and other wildlife on the island, such as cougars and, and wolves, is the biggest thing that we have to try to work together on is we have to bring up the husbandry practices for those who have livestock, who have fruit and gardens and compost and natural and unnatural food sources we have to try to bring up those practices where we are restricting the access to those food sources by bears because what we're doing is we're we're creating a, a trend for the bear to access food sources close to where we live which is influencing the bears to become desensitized and habituated to food sources that are domestically grown opposed to those that are naturally grown. Uh, the bear's not going to be able to distinguish your blueberry plants from the natural ones that grow out into the wild. So if it finds something that's easily accessible to it, he's going to utilize that food source. So we've been trying to work with some of the community members that I've been able to speak to about they're having conflict on their site, that they're utilizing electric fencing. It's a the very useful tool when trying to influence bears from accessing and not accessing livestock and or fruit trees. So our biggest recommendation is anyone that has livestock on the property, whether it's pigs, goats, sheep, or chickens, is that the area in which they're kept 
be electrified to prevent bears from getting into the fields on where they're being kept. And that the, the dwelling that they reside in, whether it's a barn, a chicken coop, or if there's any sort of run-in pens, that those are built in a structural manner so that it's not easily accessible or to utilize the electric fencing um, to kind of restrict access to those as well. It, it, it does work well for fruit trees. I understand that the properties on Cortez are quite large, uh, but we all have to do our part to ensure that the, the bears are, are, are being safe as well and keeping them away from our, our, our dwellings to, to prevent this desensitized and habituated behavior. So we do recommend that if anyone has fruit or vegetables, that they're picking them as they come ripe. And if bears are beginning to access a fruit tree or a garden or something like that, that the contents of the tree or the garden are removed so that the bear won't continue to gain access and become habituated and desensitized. Something else that we're recommending to residents throughout the entire province of British Columbia is the longer that we allow the bears to be in the community accessing natural or unnatural food source is that the bears get more comfortable and they learn that it's okay for them to be in and around the buildings where we need to provide a negative stimulants. We need to make noise. We need to utilize bear bangers, air horns, even whistles, banging pots and pans when, when bears get close to our residences because we want them to feel unwelcome. We don't want them to feel comfortable being around our, our residences so that that'll kind of help minimize the bears from wanting to be up on our steps and by our windows and our garden sheds and things like that. If the Squirrel Cove bear had been around the community for months or possibly as much as a year, would you say it's uh, past a threshold? Cortez is prime bear habitat, even though that sightings are far and few between. So we have to expect that there's going to be bears somewhere on Cortez. And with the bear frequenting the way that it is and, and what you've mentioned today, hearing that it's been around for several months, it's getting to the point where some of the behavior traits are starting to be undesirable. You're looking at a bear that's frequenting certain properties. It's, it's being in areas that are close to underneath of a residence to somebody's back door where we're starting to there's always a threshold that we have to keep in mind. We're here, yes, to protect animals from people, but there's a threshold where we also have to protect people from animals. So if a bear starts showing certain undesired behaviors where public safety is starting to become a risk, the bear has to be removed for public safety reasons. Now, this is where reporting early to the conservation officers service through our wrap line and providing us updates throughout the year with bear activity or cougar activity or wolves or, or whatever it might be kind of helps us make a plan and assessment as if there's a bear that's been in an area for two or three weeks. Well, there's probably a reason why the bear has been there for two or three weeks. So that's where we start looking at the residences. Are, are people leaving their garbages out? Are people leaving their fruit just laying on the ground uh, after it's become ripe? Are they not storing their their fruits properly or are they not 
having good husbandry practices and their their chickens are just running around in the backyard and the the bears now found itself an easy food source so there is a threshold that we have to withhold in order to maintain public safety we try to work with the community we try to look in helping gain information from leaders in the community that are kind of a little bit more willing to call the conservation officer service and working with the the local first nation guardians and fish and wildlife resource managers as well because sometimes having a couple of sets of eyes location to let us know what's happening really does help it's a kind of a shame that i have uh interviewed you i did yesterday from the squirrel cove general store where he said between a year and a year and a half ago he saw a young cub and since then there's been no problems on his property probably because the bear can't get to any food but he finds bear scat maybe four times a week and that would be news to me and i haven't been told that other than the conversation that you and I had, knowing that would, would kind of help us be able to, to manage the attractant side of things to prevent the bear's behavior from escalating to what it is, or at least trying to help anyways. Yeah, because these two conversation reports that you have on your side haven't been reported actively to the CO service. So that's where we have to stress the importance of, of people calling the conservation officer service and, and making reports that sometimes one or two reports from a person that says that a bear has been in an area for a while helps us kind of figure out what's going on in that area. Because typically if there's not a food source available, then realistically they move through to find a food source that's able to be utilized. So I don't know what it would be being as he says that there's been no problem with it reading. There's a lot of things that, that people don't realize that are, attractive to to wildlife that are considered to still be attractants, whether it's an actual food source or not. If you look at something as small as our dish detergents, our dish detergents are mostly fruit flavored or or, sorry, fruit scented um, or floral or, or something like that, where I've had bears that have went through recycling and bitten in the dish detergent container because it was apple scented. Well, the bear obviously found out that it doesn't taste that good, but this, the smell and the aromas that come off of certain products does act as an attractant, whether the bear would consume it or not. So <clears throat> hummingbird feeders are huge. Uh, the, they have a high sugar content. Bird feeders, grain for livestock, suet pucks, laundry and dish detergents, even some petroleum products, oils and things like that, they seem to be attracted to as well. So there's such a variety of things that bears can be attracted to. And that's where a couple of calls to the CO service would really help because we've seen quite a bit of it through generations of conservation officers and working with wildlife branch and their regional biologists and veterinarian specialists. And we've developed a fairly strong understanding of why and what the bears might be there for. So that's where sometimes just some advice that we can provide over the phone or being sent a few photographs, uh, we can really help kind of change the situation before it gets to a certain point because bears are an extremely intelligent species where they learn behaviors extremely quickly and then they find themselves in a situation where you can't unteach them certain behaviors. So that's where it's really important that we, we try to get ahead of the curve and we try to work fairly diligently with with communities throughout the entire year to prevent these types of behaviors to to get to where they are. 
I did not think to ask about the abundance of wild foods the bears are known to feast on, surrounding the Squirrel Cove General Store. The shoreline is full of oysters. Salmon spawn in Basil Creek. Bears eat many of the plants and berries found in the forest. Salal branches and berries, wildflowers, leafy plants, salmon berries, huckleberries, and blackberries. Could this explain why the bear has remained in the vicinity of the store for such a long time? What's going to happen to the bear? Do you know yet? So right now, with discussions with the community and with what's going on, I'm still working on trying to get as much information as possible. I just got a photo this morning um, of the bear <clears throat> on a trail camera. So I'm trying to figure out where that was. Uh, the thing is, is if a bear starts to enter close proximity to a building or trying to access a building or starts killing livestock and everything is, is it's to the point where the bear would have to be removed. But saying that is we have to confirm, is it one bear? Is it two bears? Is the livestock being killed by a bear or is it being possibly killed by cougars or wolves? So there's a lot of work in the background that has to be done before a final decision does get made with bears. So knowing that there's a, a trail camp photo of this bear that was taken within the last couple of days, um, I need to track down a little bit more information from the person who sent it to me so that I can do a proper assessment. And that's where we're working with Clahoos as well to, uh, to try to collect some information if, from their community if they've been having some issues. While I was interviewing Kurt Cunningham, I asked, When was the most recent scat? Um, two days ago. Two days ago. Two days ago. And it's right up, you know, around the house, right at the back door. But we don't leave any garbage out. And he's never gotten into the, the garbage because it's locked away in one of the plastic bins that's, you know, he just doesn't know it's there, I guess. Or there's enough other things for him to, to get into. So I would think he's here at least four days a week. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to add? No, that's good. <laughs> He's a good neighbor. He hasn't caused any problems. It's, uh, I, I recognize that he could be dangerous, though. And, uh, you know, we're better not to have him here. You've been listening to interviews by Zoom, Skype, or email with Nancy Beach, Laurel Bohart, Kurt Cunningham, Sandy Hoffman, Derek and Laurie McMunford, and Conservation Officer Brad Adams. Near the beginning of this story, I mentioned that Leslie Padisa returned home from Campbell River to find the door to her cellar burst open. The bear had eaten most of the apples stored inside. Her son, Manuel Pudisa, wrote a song about it.
you want to get off that just now from my fridge I nailed a welcome mat After you broke down my cellar door The other apples went down to the swell cup store To keep them safe I said, 